Hey, hey, Ryan, do you know why uh, Mario became a DJ? No. Because he knows about timed hits. <laughs> why does Gino not have an acting career, everybody? No idea. Why not? His delivery is always wooden. Oh, what a stiff. Hey, you know why Ma- Malo is terrible in school? His head is always in the clouds. <laughs> so, so Bowser went to the Mushroom Kingdom to complain about the sword in his castle, and that's when the Chancellor said, Great, now everybody's going to want one. <laughs> What's blue and made of wood and full of disappointment? I, I don't know, Matt. What, what is blue and made of wood and full of disappointment? Gino, when he doesn't get an invite letter to Smash Brothers for the fourth game in a row. So do you know why Mario brought a ladder to this RPG? I don't know. Because he heard there were high levels and he needed to level up his adventure. So no one said all games were gonna be this way. Backlog's a joke, a joke. Game of cards at my head. It's like you always play two years behind. When you really need a boost to heart, to health, or even your mind. No, Cal will be there for you. She'll say games that are so. Matt will be there for you. When you're feeling We'll be there for you Hello and welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast, your weekly RPG news show, Q&A Quest, your weekly RPG feedback show, and us, your bi-weekly nostalgia show. I am your host, Kelly Ryan, and with me as always, my podcast partner in crime, the Gino to my mallow, Mr. Matt Mason. Oh, if only I could be Waluigi to your Luigi or Mario. Waluigi somebody. to my Mario. Are, are you implying yeah. that I have garlic breath? <laughs> no, I just think we're evil. <laughs> I, th- this is a tangent. I wish that they had evil versions of Peach and Daisy. Oh. So, so Weech and Wazy, I guess. Uh, would I they know. still have mustaches? Yes. I think you have to. Just because. <laughs> You know, pour one out for Waluigi while we're at it. I was just reading a Kotaku article today that yesterday was the first time in 20 or last year was the first time in 23 years that no new game with Waluigi in it was released by Nintendo. Wow. They don't like with that character, do they? No, he was in <laughs> soccer in 22, but, you know. Hey, speaking of characters that are perpetually snubbed for Smash. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a segue. Uh, We're talking Mario RPG tonight for our 300th episode. Well, not this particular cast's 300th episode. (laughs) Mike, uh, a.k.a. Wheels, has been on tons of shows. I have. Because I heard you, like, pre... Because I I joined the cast in 2016, and I I heard you as early as 2011. Oh, wow. I want to say. It's been a while, put it that way. I'm sure Um, I recorded, like, eight hours of Disgaea over the course of the show. (laughs) 
And then also joining us is Ryan Costa. I'm relatively new to this, but did you know that uh, Mario RPG was one of my first RPGs? Oh, excellent. Awesome. Technically, mine was Shining Force. No, actually, if you really want to get go back way back, technically, it was uh, Dungeons and Dragons for the Intellivision. Mm. I was like five when I played that for the first time. But no, that that's that's awesome. This was, I think, this was one of the first RPGs I ever bought with my own money. Um, it, it was up there. I I will get into that in my my memories during the roundtable at the end of the show. But and. Just so you know, we're talking the SNES version, but I did play the uh, most recent remake that came out that was a complete coincidence, because I think we were talking Mario RPG for show 300, like, back during the planning session in last December of 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, So the fact that they remade it was like, yes, I I can play a better version of the game and not have to deal with uh, emulation jank, because I, I... I've tried to replay this game numerous times on various emulators, and no matter what I do, it always runs like crap. And I didn't feel like digging out my OG Super Nintendo to, to play it. So, full disclosure, even though I have played this game numerous times, my most recent playthrough was the remake. Even though technically we're talking more about the original game. I mean, I, the, I will... the remake isn't very different in a good it, way. Yeah, it, it's got quality of life features. Um it's certainly easier, especially if you play it in story mode, which um, just makes your damage ridiculous, and a lot of the enemies have lower health. Um, but but the story is pretty much almost exactly the same. I, I well, only noticed minor differences. At least got Peach's underwear. <laughs> no, they they famously took that out. Um, they, it just has question marks. Wasn't that what it was in the original? Uh, that's what I thought it was too. Okay, I, I actually got up to that part in the original. <laughs> Meaning, uh, and I was like, I can't far. do anything better than this. I mean, yeah. At least uh, you've played it somewhat recently. I last played it while cassette tapes were still out as the new music. So it's nineteen late nineties was probably the last time I played this. The the, the jokes on you cassette tapes are cool again. Yep, so is Super Mario RPG, so we're good. <laughs> is, is that the next thing that's going to happen now that records are back? They're going to be replaced I, by cassettes? I, I don't Ugh. get it either, Mike. I, I know we have vinyl heads on the cast, and, and their their opinion is fine, but I associate vinyl with uh, ha- having to dig through bargain bins at Goodwill and just p- putting them on tape just so that I could listen to them while I was walking the dog <laughs> when I was a kid, and it's like, once I got me a Discman, it's like, oh my god, why would anybody ever go back to vinyl? I want someone to defend 8-tracks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure you can find oh, someone. Yes, indeed. Well, I, I, the TLDR of this cast this time is that we're old. Um, I, I was 14 years old when this game came out. I just started high school, so... What year did this come out? 95? 96. 96, okay. Yeah. I would have just been graduating high school. Oh, I God. was somewhere in middle school, either 7th or 8th grade. I was in grade 3, but I had reached 6 foot tall by that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. So, so yes, wide range of ages. So, um, I'm, I'm going to leave you guys with some excellent music from the remake, just because I like those versions of the songs a little bit better. And when we get back, we're just going to dive right in. Stick around.
to RPG Backtrack, where we are talking about more Super Mario RPG, The Legend of the Seven Stars. I realize I didn't say the full title in the intro. Um, released in Japan on March 9th, 1996, and then in North America on May 13th, 1996. And it, I think it got a couple of WiiWare releases um, at some point, because I know I, re- I rebought it on my, my Wii, or at least the, um, my, my husband's. And then, yeah, this game has just kind of laid in limbo until this this most recent year, where it, I think it released sometime in October, the Switch remake? Uh, November. November yeah. 17th. Yeah. November 17th, yeah. Um, basically, the, the game came came about because Miyamoto had always wanted to make an RPG game and Square actually wanted to make an RPG that would sell in the United States. Um, Because I I think their last attempt... Okay, I don't know when Mystic Quest came out, but clearly Mystic Quest did not move the needle on that. Um, It it worked on my parents because they rented that game a bunch of times when they wanted Final Fantasy 2. Oh, I... Nothing's wrong with Mystic Quest. No, I love it, but it was uh, it's a forced labor of love. Uh, see, I, I thought you were talking about this game, because when I was a kid, well, I, I was about 14, um, my local blockbuster did not have this game. Just, just They just never had it in. They had the box, but it was always checked out, and it, it just always made me so frustrated, because I, I had subscribed to GamePro at this point in my life. Well, well, actually, I had a subscription to Sega Visions, and that magazine went out of business so that they transferred my subscription to GamePro. And I, I would be reading the RPG section and I saw all this beautifully rendered artwork of Mario and ba- Bowser and stuff. And, you know, this was back when um, 3D rendered artwork like that was, wasn't as common. And it was like, oh, my God, this game looks so cool. What is it? Oh, a Mario RPG? I, I want to play this so bad. Did this come out after Donkey Kong Country? I think so. Okay. This came out after Tactics Ogre. Yeah, I, I well now I gotta look up Donkey I wanna say Donkey Kong Country was nineteen ninety five, but um it, it just seems so weird back then because people look at the game now, it's like, oh my god, it looks like a pixelated mess. But we weren't used to seeing a lot of three D graphics back then. I no. mean we, we thought Star Fox looked good. Hey, this is as far as I know the first game that I can remember that had uh enemy sprites that moved. Yeah. Uh, like idle animations, I mean, not actual attack animations. Yeah, so so I I remember just being blown away by just how colorful and and fun the game looked. Um, I don't know how. Uh, yeah, Donkey Kong Country was 1994. Oh wow! Okay. Speaking of and looking at the enemies, does anyone remember the gorilla enemy from uh, the forest maze that looked exactly like Donkey Kong? Yes. Yeah, I I believe that was intentional. Um. So they, they kind of decided on an isometric view to help bring the world to life. And um, they, they wanted it to be a little bit more action-based and more movement-based since the uh, t- the timed hits and kind of the minor platforming. Though I don't know about you guys, but for me, the, pla- the minor platforming in the game was infuriating. Platforming I was okay with. For me, it was the timing on anything... Uh, Magic, like skill related, because I could I, I, I could time the weapons. Uh, Sorry, think, go ahead. I think because I played this after Landstalker, the platform didn't bother me as much. Um, the I'm only used to that weird isometric view. 
The only spot I would really have trouble with was that spot with the paratroopers because there's a mini game tied to that. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I had trouble with that in the remake too, actually. Yeah, but um, I, I thought that the timed hits thing was kind of neat because um, I, I had been playing uh, Sega RPGs back then, like, like Fantasy Star and Shining Force and all that, and having that little bit of the interactivity so that you had to kind of pay attention was was pretty neat. But at the same time, I was terrible at it. Like, I could never get the timing on the hammer at all. <laughs> and I say I don't remember much issues with the platforming, and then I saw a screenshot of climbing up to Mount like, uh, Nimbus's land, <laughs> and I just remember falling hundreds upon hundreds of times. Yep. Never mind. Yep. Um, so, so briefly getting into the plot, the, the game does not have a complicated plot. Um, a, basically, a sword... Well, it starts out with Mario having to go save Peach, as Mario was wont to do, and in the middle of a fight, a giant sword comes crashing down through Bowser's Keep, and on, on its way down, uh, seven stars go into the uh, atmosphere. And you find out that the star road is shattered and that you have to recover the seven stars to re- repair the star road. Otherwise, um, no wishes will be granted. Um, one of the first characters you meet after this star crash, as it were, is um, Mallow, who is who looks like a marshmallow but thinks he's a frog. And then I, I find it interesting that they introduce their original characters before they give you uh, Bowser and Peach back, because then you meet uh, Gino, a the wooden doll who is uh, possessed by a worker of the. Uh, I guess he's the worker of the Star Road. He never really says what he is. No, it's, it's pretty vague. Yeah, but basically it's somebody that works to grant wishes on the Star Road, uh, possesses a doll named named Gino, and he travels with you. And then, uh, surprise, surprise, you get Bowser in your party because he wants his keep back. And aside from Mario Kart, I think this is one of the first time that times that Mario actually teamed up with Bowser. And yeah, even then with Mario Kart, it's debatable that they're like, because back then they were shooting to beat each other. This is the, were they really working together in Mario Kart? And I, I don't know. I mean, the longstanding joke is that in the action games, Mario is, and Mario and Bowser are fighting. And then in the sports games, they're, they're friends and having friendly competition. So who knows? But I, for me, that was like, oh my god, you get to play as Bowser in this game? I really want to play it now. And and you also get Princess Peach. So I think they called her, still. we're still calling her Toadstool at this point. It's unclear when exactly that started changing. I, I feel like that changed around Mario 64. Yeah. Because I grew up on the cartoon, so I was used to calling her Toadstool, so when Peach, or when Peach showed up in the letter in Mario 64, it was kind of jarring for me. Same. So 64 was the first time it was in the West. Thank you, Cora Answers. Yeah, that, that's what I wondered. And then, you know, the game kind of has that Dragon Quest setup where each each area kind of has its own little mini-boss mini and uh, mini-story problem that you have to solve. Um, like, like you go to Rose Town for the first time and they're getting hit by arrows that paralyze them, so you have to go figure out um, what's causing the paralysis in the forest. And then in the mole town, you have to save some kids from a mine. 
in seaside town, the town folks are at, the town folk is acting very weird. Um, you, you find out that they were all kidnapped and replaced with doppelgangers. Uh, and then there's the whole side arc with Booster. Funnily enough, a character that has never showed up again, and that makes me sad because he's really funny. He is pretty funny, yeah. I'm a little surprised in the remake they didn't just have Booster take a mask off and actually be Wario. You know, I wondered about that. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure Wario was established at that time. Uh, yeah, um, Mario Land Two would had would definitely have been long out by then. Yeah, and probably three as well. Um, but Booster just being kind of a clueless mini villain idiot, though he's not even really that bad. He just the princess falls from the sky and he thinks he's destined to marry her. And you follow them all the way to a town called Marymore and then get in a fight with a wedding cake. As one does. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, I think one of my favorite things about this game, not just put playing as Mario and, and the gang, but j- just how unique all of the enemies and bosses were. For me, I've like going off of that, the, how colorful and bright the game felt compared to a lot of RPGs I had played. This was one of the first ones, especially as a kid, that made me feel like I was a kid while I was playing the game. I, the early Final Fantasies, I felt like an adult because they were very reminiscent of Dungeons & Dragons, which was more for older kids. And then here's something that, like, unlike something like Mystic Quest, which was geared towards kids as a first RPG, this felt like it was a kid's game that was also an RPG. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the game not having a whole lot of b- big numbers kind of ties into the kid. I feel like kind of ties into the kid thing a little bit, too, because that way you're not killing bosses that are terribly spongy. I, I, to be honest, does the damage even get into the triple digits in this game? I think towards the end it does. Yes, that seems the like... very end, at least. Um, it was the game that kind of taught me the importance of uh, healers and having a tanky character like Bowser in DPS. But before that, that was even really a thing. I just like the animations. That was my main reason for using, uh, especially at the end, Peach and Bowser. Because Bowser has Chain Chomp and the sound of that still stuck in my head. And the frying pan it's probably one of my favorite animations. Yeah, I like the chain chomp just because it was really easy for me to to get the timing right on that one. Um, same with the lazy shell. It was always kind of the swing-based weapons that I had the most trouble with. I could get the swinging ones down. It was the small animations, like Gino, some of his later weapons where you're, you like shoot his like forearm out. I could never mm. get the timing down on or... Mallow's Magic, which I kind of learned for some of them for the first time, had the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, One nice thing about the remake that I wish the original game would have had is that if a move is unblockable, the game tells you now. Because some Hmm. of those AoE attacks, I'd be sitting there just mashing the button and wondering if if it was helping at all. And this time around, it's like, nope, you, you can't block this. And I kind of appreciated that in the remake. And this game did teach me for dodging or doing extra damage. I still do that sometimes in any game, even if it's not actually a mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> it honestly makes me wonder if that came about because somebody noticed that kids would already do that. Or 
heck, no, Pokemon wasn't a thing at this time, at least not in the U.S., but um, I know that I thought that if I pressed the button at certain times, I would do more damage, at least in Fantasy Star, so. Mm. Uh, I attribute it close to, like, sports games and stuff like that, too, where if you hold the button down longer, it means you hit the ball harder in baseball. So, oh, yes. obviously, you hit hold the button down, you're going to do more damage if you shoot a chain jump at something. Yes. Um, th- did anybody ever get more than 30 jumps on Mario's special jump move? Yes. Because I, I could only get up to 15 before missing the timing. It's very hard. I did not happen to do really any of... There were a few mini games I did, but not many. For example, it was my third playthrough when I found out the island with the racing Yoshis existed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a mini game that was infinitely frustrating the, the game said to, to, to hit the notes on the beat and i could never get it right oh. i always ended up spam, spamming the cookies to win but then again that that island or you really don't get a lot by winning a lot of yoshi the yoshi races from what i understood i did find a lot of the hidden uh chests but that was partly because it makes it even funnier. I didn't really know about the Yoshi races. I'm pretty sure I had a strategy guide, hmm. which I just kind of skipped over that page, I guess, because there's no RPG fights in it. Yeah. So I, um, I, I bought a strategy guide like long after I got the game and didn't know about a lot of the hidden chess. And in subsequent playthroughs, we'd get very annoying or, or get very annoyed at the one chest in the castle that you only have one chance to get. And said that's something that they fixed in the remake is that they made it that all chests are, all, are obtainable at all times. Um, that they'd even moved a couple of them because of that. Ooh. Yeah. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure the James Wan, when he was a kid, had done that and went, I'm making Saw. <laughs> Just as soon as the game starts, if you don't jump right now, you won't get it. Yep. Yeah, that that was a little frustrating back in the day. Um, I I appreciated some of the jokes when I was a kid, like the first boss being called Mac the Knife. Um, <laughs> I had to ex- explain that joke to my husband recently. Uh, that they changed that one to uh, Clay Morton in the remake, and I was like, well, yeah, because I, I guess no kid today playing this is gonna understand a Mac the Knife joke. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I'm not sure I know a back the knife joke. It's it's a song. It's an old song. Uh, and I think I only knew it because it was pointed out in one of the game pro guides. But um but yeah, I, I, I liked the designs of all the the different bosses, like um Croco, one of the first bosses you fight. Um, who's basically a thieving crocodile. I'm sad that he's never come back. Yeah, there's a lot of characters from this game that could have brought back. Yeah, like uh, Boshi, the cool Yoshi? Yes, yes. Because once again, in that that GamePro article, the the nice high-res artwork of this Yoshi wearing shades, and and I'm like, oh my god, who is this? I want to get to know him. (laughs) And he doesn't really do much. He's just an asshole Yoshi that just wants to have one-on-one fights. But he looks so cool to 14-year-old me. Still think he looks cool. And then um, yeah. J- Jonathan Jones, the shark. Yep. 
the shark that you pretty much have to whoop his ass to get his respect, and then once he respects you, he's your best buddy. I always wanted him to join the party. Yeah, it, it would have been nice if the remake made him a hidden character. As I, I got used to that kind of thing from RPGs where I don't respect you, now you've beaten me, now I'm going to join you, is a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just... I think I spent a little bit of extra time trying to figure out if I had just done something wrong. And then uh, my kid brain just hadn't realized this is Super Mario RPG. There's no hidden way to do things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, being a kid pre-internet, you would try anything back in the day to get a slightly different ending. Uh, Just to see if you could. And really the only thing that affected the ending in this game was how many fireworks you bought. Uh. Uh, now, now speaking of secrets, did did anybody beat Qx back in the day? Came close, closer than I should have. Um, I, I always used, uh, or I always put the lazy shell on Peach and just let her tank and or tank slash heal, and then have the boys take care of the rest. And even and even then, that fight's still pretty hard. But because I played this this before Final Fantasy, had no idea that that whole the whole point of that character was supposed to be a Final Fantasy joke. Which one? Uh, QX. The it, it's a hidden boss in Monstro Town that you have to get a shiny stone to open this door, and um, and it basically opens the door to like a what looks like a Final Fantasy final boss fight, and the um, mm-hmm. Q, QX is rendered in two D. Um, it has Final Fantasy boss music, which I think this the that particular boss music is from two. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a, a game that we didn't even get, uh, but it still kind of has the the baseline at the beginning, so you kind of know it's Final Fantasy. Uh, uh, I recognize the music. I just thought that Kulix was like a Final Fantasy two or Final Fantasy uh, four boss that didn't I didn't know about because we had <laughs> one, two, three, then seven. So I'm like, what boss is this one from? Yeah, it's a character that doesn't show up in any game, but is kind of meant to be evocative of the Final Fantasy style and um, ha- has four crystals that do lots of damage. Um, luckily, they run out of MP at some point. So, uh, if you just that—that's basically why you have tank tank peach in that fight because if you hold out long enough, then they they just are useless, and then that's when you can start really doing the, your uh, damage. Um, but but when you beat that boss, then it does the little fanfare. Oh, the uh, Final Sorry. Fantasy one. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I beat that boss on Super Nintendo, but I don't know. I never actually owned it on Super Nintendo, so it was just rentals and borrowing it from different people. So who knows. Probably beat it with a party I did not develop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, were you the type of kid that always checked out people's save files? Uh, sometimes, yeah, especially with like a rental, you know, get limited time with it. Uh, but I mean, just despite that, I never actually like beat the last boss until the remake. Yeah, that that last boss in my most recent playthrough was like I remember him being more intimidating when I was a kid because you know he he smacks himself on the head and turns into a tank and other objects and. As a kid, I kind of found that a little bit creepy. Definitely. Um, also, because of the commercial, for some reason, I thought that Smithy the Sword was the sword in the keep, not the person who drove the sword into the keep. <laughs> yeah. I don't recall having any point of difficulty with any of the enemies. I 
still look fondly at the, to me anyway, first Power Rangers reference. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. And just because of the amount of enemies on screen, that and the Kulix fight were probably my two favorite. Just because being outnumbered by the enemy in a RPG that wasn't a tactical RPG seemed rare. As you had five characters in Final Fan- up to five characters in Final Fantasy IV, you had four in Final Fantasy One, but boss fights were always the four versus one, or you know five characters in Final Fantasy IV versus one or two bosses. So to have three characters in Mario RPG going against five characters on screen being outnumbered seemed to be rare, and I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, um, I-, I appreciated just how unique the bosses were. Um, most of them being kind of living weapons um, because of the, the the theme of the bad guys, but then you also get bosses like the wedding cake, um, which was kind of neat. The the giant babom, or no, the, the fight that escalates to a giant babom that just kind of fizzles out in the end, which was the height of comedy. Um, There's a ton ton of enemy and character designs in this game that it's it's a real shame that they didn't reuse them for anything. Yeah, even like... In, what? Even in the other Mario RPG series. Yeah, like the, the dancing flowers, or no, I'm sorry, the dancing stars and the yeah. uh, ocean bits, which I thought were kind of cool. Um, the giant kraken that you fight, which I also thought was kind of cool. Hmm. Um, yeah, because... <laughs> Even though I, because technically Mario and Luigi was kind of the follow-up, but even then it wasn't Square that worked on Mario and Luigi. And I just didn't enjoy those games nearly as much as the original Mario. Except for the second Paper Mario. Oh, that was Thousand Year Door. Yeah, that's the only one I enjoyed as much as the original Mario RPG. Uh, I'm still waiting for the remake on that one. I've I've tried that one, tried to boot up that one numerous times and just couldn't get into it. I'm hoping that the remake will kind of I, I don't know fix some of the GameCube jank. Hopefully. Well, because because my issue is that I've tried to go back after mo- modern gaming to play those. Oh yeah, it, it just doesn't work. Um. Oh. Looking through the enemies, the one that's standing out to me right now, as I'm surprised it isn't from the other uh, from Mario games, which it might, are the buzzers, the big bees. Those look like they're tailor made to be a Mario character. Um, they to me they looked like they could have come right out of Donkey Kong Country. Uh. And yeah, that that's another interesting point. Wheels they didn't really bring up the uh. There there haven't really been the mole people to come back, nor frog people, nor the cloud people with uh, Mallow. Yeah. Because I I feel like Mallow is the only character in the whole game that kind of has an arc. Yeah. He is. He's he's the one that should be in Smash, not Gino. (laughs) Oh, controversial opinion. Uh, I don't think it's a controversial opinion. I think it's the correct opinion. Thank you. I I mean... Usually, the second I get Bowser, Gino goes right into the back line, because uh, because I'm I'm sorry I'm a Bowser stan, but um, Mallow, you know, he, he's a cloud that thinks he's a frog, and you, you find out that yeah, the uh, frog Fuchsius found him amongst the reeds one day. And then you go to the Cloud Kingdom, and they're like, "Hey, all these people kind of look like you, Bowow," and then um, the the, the 
chick, Valentina, who I, I didn't realize that that big, big bulbous thing was her head back in the day. I thought that she was the bird. <laughs> or I thought that her head was the bird head that's on top of her. Um, but, but basically that, that girl had kidnapped the king and queen and passed off Dodo as Mallow. And Mallow kind of gets fired up that he wants his parents back. And yeah, the uh, t- the reunion with Mallow's parents is kind of a tearful reunion. And then s- some of the stuff with the-, the dad is funny. Like, son, the time has come for you to ride the bus. When I was young and I rode the bus. <laughs> yeah, just old, old windbag stuff. That, but it came off as kind of funny. And, and poor, poor Dodo. He doesn't deserve all that abuse. Doesn't. I mean, for a for a Super Nintendo game, like the writing and the localization on this are really were really really good, really fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, they probably kept the story deliberately simple so that they wouldn't have a lot of issues. Probably localizing. See, as a kid, I loved Gino for how cool he looked, but I couldn't really master his skills, so he got dropped. I remember really disliking Mallow, and I get why down the road but i remember being sad or kind of upset that he was the only character to really have an arc and looking back on it based on what how they made the characters he's the only one to really get the chance to so i wonder if they would have done it a little bit later if there would be more playable characters because five seems like a low number for them to be able to do what they wanted to with the story mm-hmm. yeah because I think Paper Mario had a low number of characters that you played as too, and they were all just pretty much named named uh, Bowser villains. Uh, you know, a Koopa Troopa and a Goomba and a Boo and all of that stuff. And it, part of it makes me wonder if they kept it vague on purpose because you know how protective Nintendo is of how the characters are depicted. Could be. Like, I mean, Mario is in his first RPG, and he's still a mute protagonist. Also talking to a person, though, too, where for me anyway, uh, Trails of Cold Steel could use a little bit more exposition, so Ah! Mario Mario RPG could just have an entire book's length of story, and I'd still want more. That's just... So I can't really say too much because, yeah, having a simplistic story, it does have its own charm. And there isn't anything I'd really want to change about the game. So, Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it was it was the perfect length for when I was a kid. I, I, I thought it was a lot longer, but no, that was just me being a kid with infinite time. And it, you could actually finish it in like 15 hours. Uh, 20 at the maximum I, I'm sure that there's speedrunners and pe- people that like to break games that have uh, you know max out all the stats and stuff uh, but the fact that I think I think my characters in my most recent playthrough only got to level 27 kind of tells you that this you're not really meant to be hitting high numbers in it um, and when the remake came out people were complaining at how easy it was and I'm like guys the original game was piss easy it's yeah. almost like this is meant to be an introductory RPG Fun doesn't equal hard People who liked platformers and, hey, let's introduce you to something new. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Um, Still got your button presses, but now you can level up. 
Also, yeah. if you're comparing the difficulty in the remake to the original, you're way better at RPGs than you were back then. <laughs> yeah. There is that. Yeah, I, I remember when I wouldn't use magic spells at all and just tried to do white damage on everything because I thought, well, I don't want to waste my spells. Uh, plus, what, a, a mechanic that I hadn't really seen before was that you have a shared MP pool in this game. And I, they probably did it like that just to make it easier for people to manage magic points. Uh, I only remember doing regular attacks, a few skills occasionally, but magic points were for healing. Yeah. And items that were supposed to be used for healing were meant to be kept forever and never touched. Yep. <laughs> yep. Nope. Exactly. Don't put all your this elixirs away. away. You never touch them. <laughs> you might need them. You might need 23 of them for that final yes. boss, but probably shouldn't use them there either. Uh, this it's is... reset. It's simpler. RPG is a perfect example in my mind, like you're mentioning about how people are saying how easy it is. Fun doesn't always equal hard, and there's a lot of games that have come out in the last five, ten years where that is like that almost gets drilled into the gaming conscious while mario rpg is kind of like you could turn it into an audiobook and i would enjoy it like the, just every sight and sound that comes with it it's just a fun journey to go across and fun journeys don't need to be anger inducing for how hard they are mm. no that that's Very why true. we have the the Dark Souls of the world for people that like that kind of stuff. And I think RPGs like this that are good for beginners are important to get more, to get younger people into the genre. Yeah. Um, I feel I feel like for a while games were getting too easy and handholdy, and now after all this Dark Souls stuff, we're kind of going too far in the other direction. Like everything, mm-hmm. everything must destroy you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Variants and options are good. Yeah. Um, the power of friendship defeats all. It's fine. Do you guys rem- remember going to the Star Hill and how kind of heartwarming it was to see all of the wishes? Oh, that was so cool. And, Especially and the, when you find Luigi's wish. Yeah, the the only appearance he makes in the game. And it's like, poor Luigi. But but then they lead into that Mario with Luigi. It's like, well, don't you always stay home? Who's the guy in the green overalls? Oh my God, also, there's some great Luigi stuff in Thousand Year Door where like he's supposedly off on his own adventures. <laughs> it's great. Because technically he is if it's GameCube. Isn't uh, there also a sleeping link in Mario? Oh, Mario? yeah. The... um. I forgot about the Easter eggs. I remember when I first ran into the sleeping link and you talk to him and he does the little fanfare and it's like, Oh my God, that's so cool. And I didn't even know about the Samus cameo until I was older. You have to go back to the mushroom kingdom at a specific time to see her in a bed in the guest room. And she talks about, uh, wanting to, um, wanting to fight mother brain. So yeah, I have a feeling that I saw that, but had never played Super Metroid far enough to realize Samus was Samus. So I didn't know if, I don't think I got that Easter egg when I was young. Yeah, I never saw it, but I even if I would have saw it back then, Metroid was so off my radar. Um, I, I appreciated the uh, classic Mario cameo in Booster's Tower. That was funny. Yeah. Always made me sad that you could only do that once. I think you can I, redo it in the remake. I for, I forget. Uh, I, I, I I I don't know. I'll have to go check. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, back back then, Easter eggs like that weren't nearly as common. 
So seeing his 8-bit sprite just kind of made me smile. Yeah, that was in Booster's Tower. For some reason, I was thinking that was in Bowser's Castle on the chandelier. Or am I crazy? Uh, you must be misremembering because it's in Booster's Tower. Uh, and did did you guys ever find uh, Great Guy's Casino? Uh, yes. I think I had to look it up when I was playing the remake. Um, I think I'm pretty sure I found it on my own. Um you have to get some kind of card somewhere and then go to a specific spot in, in one of the pipes in that one garden and jump a bunch of times. And that's where... We, no, you, that's right. You get the card from uh, winning winning which hand is it in with um, Knife Guy in Booster's Tower. Mm. And then you have to go to a specific spot and jump three times and that's how you get into the casino. Um I'm amused that in the remake they took replaced blackjack with a match game. <laughs> I, I guess they don't want to teach the kiddos how to gamble. Uh, while clicking around, uh, the bright cards, the piece of trivia attached to it says the Viva name and logo printed on the official artwork of the bright card is a parody of the Visa credit card company. Huh, that's funny. Which I would not have got as a nine-year-old. Luckily, had not used credit cards yet. <laughs> I, uh... I also thought that it was kind of interesting that in at the end of very end of the game, they basically give you infinite money because yeah. they they set up an item box that you can just hit it over and over and over again, and I mean it'll take you forever, but you'll max out your money that way, and at that point it's kind of useless unless you want to buy a butt ton of potions, and then Croc is your final vendor in the game, and I always thought it was kind of touching that he was like, hey don't die or something <laughs> like that. He he was like weirdly supportive, but in his pissy Croco way. I remember Croco mostly from the beginning of the game as an antagonist more than anything else. Yeah. He shows up a bunch of times, but by the end he's pretty much helping you and they, they never give a reason why he kind of has the heel turn. <clears throat> and uh, I also remember loving the crap out of the music in this game. Oh, the music is wonderful. Um, it, it was at this point in my life that I really started learning to appreciate uh, video game music. And I think it was uh, Booster's Tower in particular that ended up being one of my favorite songs. I just was way too into Final Fantasy. And since I'd played Mystic Quest first, as great as the music is here, Mystic Quest had amazing music. And... Uh, Kulix is the only one that I remember sticking with me, but I would, I would easily recognize any Mario RPG track if I heard it now. It's just been so long. And when I was younger, I didn't appreciate or try to appreciate music as much as I would nowadays. Yeah, it was, uh, composed by someone named Yoko Shimomura. And they, she used um, some of the arrangements from Ko Koji Kondo to do some of the music. Um, and there were a couple of tracks from, well, and she also borrowed a couple of tracks from Final Fantasy IV. And apparently this was a turning point in her career. Which she, is kind of, she did Kingdom Hearts, right? I yeah. think so. Yeah, that would explain why the soundtrack always gives me a Disney feel. <laughs> Yeah, the the whole game has a very whimsical feel. It does to, to it. Yeah, she. I I just clicked on her discography. She's worked on a ton of stuff. That's Live Alive and Parasite Eve were also by her, and that's where some things were clicking. Um. So, so just talking about the availability of the game really quick. Um. Good, good luck finding an SNES cartridge under sixty mm -hmm. bucks these days. 
um, just just buy the remake. You're you're not missing that much. I would honestly say you're not missing anything. The remake is great. Isn't the yeah. remake sixty bucks? Yeah, the remake is sixty bucks, but you, I, I'm pretty sure it was sort of on sale during the holidays. But don't quote me on that. Nah, you don't think so? No. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, that, it, that's sixty bucks, but you're getting a new copy as opposed to some ratty, overpriced cartridge from eBay or something. <laughs> or you know, p- paid eighty for it back in the day, like I yeah, did. Yeah, and also you're actually giving the developers money instead of, again, some some random seller on eBay. Yeah, yeah. I that that being said, I'll never get rid of my uh, childhood copy. I might have two copies. <laughs> Um, As I think about it, I am just happy that this finally got some love because people have been clamoring for Nintendo and Square to acknowledge this game for almost three yeah. years. Uh, <laughs> and and we're, we, do we even want to get into the Smashing Geno stuff? Eh. Not particularly. <laughs> I mean, I think the reason you never got Geno and Smash is because you were clamoring for the incorrect Mario RPG character. You think Mallow deserved it better? Yes. Now, the thing I would want most in Smash would actually just be the wedding cake to be a healing item, and oh, every character cool. just jumps on it and eats it. That would like, be pretty cool. You know, I would like, at this point, never mind Smash, I'd just like them to revisit this universe. And I feel like there's actually an opportunity of sorts to do that now, sadly, because the company that made the Mario or the developer that made the Mario and Luigi games went under. So maybe they'll give a new developer a crack at making Mario RPGs and maybe let someone make a sequel to this. Whether it be this or another one, just let Camelot make an RPG again. Yeah, really. That would be nice. Don't give me hope. What was that? Was Golden Sun was the last RPG that Camelot worked on? That's right. Ah, uh, uh, wonderful games. I still uh, have a sealed copy of the DS game because I haven't beaten the second GBA game yet. I mean, for me, that's Beyond the Beyond Four. So, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who would be a good developer to uh, work on it. I I'd almost want to say um, Level Five. Mm. Mm. Yes. You will not get disagreements from uh, Wheels or me. No. Level Five love. Uh, as far as whimsical RPGs go, um, that's definitely their bread and butter. Has has Level Five ever worked with Nintendo? I'm having trouble thinking of stuff off the top of my head. Um, isn't Layton a collaboration between them? Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I, I yeah. I, if I was gonna pick anybody, it would be Level fi- Level Five. Uh, ma- mainly, my first instinct was to say Atlas, but that that's owned by Sega now, so not really on that. Um, may- maybe Intelligent Systems, since it's kind of a second-party developer? Yeah, they, they, Paper Mario is their whole thing, though. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um, I mean, uh, why not find the... Uh, kind of like they did with Mario and uh, the Ra- Raving Rabbit series there. Uh, oh, pairing with Ubisoft, get the find the people that used to make Breath of Fire with Capcom and have them do it. Yeah, I don't even know what happened to those developers, but I want them to do something. Yeah, that that could be interesting. I don't know, and and like I've said, I I like the other RPG or the um other Mario RPGs, Paper Mario and uh, Mario and Luigi, but for me, they just never captured the magic. Not to the same level, for sure. That I feel like that first Mario and RPG 
Mar- Mario and Luigi kind of came a little bit close with with the humor. Yeah, that least. that and Thousand Year Door are the closest for me. Although Paper Mario is kind of less humor and more uh, I don't know how to how to describe it. Different. It's different than just straight up humor. It's got a little more heart to it. But yeah, um, yeah. It's a shame the Mario and Luigi series kind of just petered out. Um, unfortunately, I, uh, aside from the Paper Mario crossover, I don't know where else they could have taken it. Because the, the, the first game, was we were controlling both of them at once. And then the second game, uh, you were controlling four characters, which got a little too chaotic for me. Yeah, I think, um, I, I think that second game is honestly bad. Um, the third one, you were, you, the gimmick was being in Bowser, which I thought was awesome. Um, I didn't play Dream Team. Was Dream Team any good? I didn't get to it either. Okay. Yeah, I played Paper Jam, which was a... A waste because you got you it's a merger of these two rpgs and it's got like none of the paper mario flavor in it and like none none of the like neat characters that made both series cool it's just like okay here's bowser and paper bowser okay great basically the same thing that they did with the babies it sounds like uh the worse <laughs> worse because it's a collaboration to these two long-running series and like you know paper mario has has had its own like allies and villains and you know uh the mario and luigi's game had, what the hell was that villain's name from the first game i don't remember but thoughtful yes and none of those characters are there it's like the most basic crossover of those two series you can think of and it's it's kind of sad <sighs> yeah, yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe since this uh, new new game, I, I wonder if this new game sold sold very well. Um, I, I imagine it did. It's a Mario game on the Switch. Um, but maybe if it did, we might get uh get some new entries at some point. I always hope things like that, simply because I am a huge proponent of turn based. I don't want it to go anywhere, so anytime a turn-based game sells well, uh, it makes me happy. Yeah, I, I don't like this notion that there's no place in modern gaming for t- turn-based games. That's ridiculous. I, I like turn-based games because I can kind of chill out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think Square Enix thinks there's no place for turn-based games because they keep giving us new ones. Oh, yeah. Like yeah you got the Brave- Bravely series, you got the uh, Octopath. Dragon Quest. Yep. Clearly a market. It doesn't have to be the biggest market in the world. But I mean, one of the biggest franchises Nintendo makes is a turn-based RPG. It's yeah, called people Pokemon. Don't, people don't like realizing that, especially What's since... What's that again? Since... Let me take some notes here. What, what should I be playing? It's called Pokemans. Pokemans, got it. Pocketmans, Pocketmans. That's... Thinking on early RPGs, bringing up uh, Pokemon there, I am amused to think of how many people picked up like Pokemon and would be like, hey, you play RPGs, can you help me with this kind of thing? And no one really needed to do that with Super Mario RPG. I know a lot of people that like their first RPG, second RPG, maybe only RPG in their life was this. And it was so easy to access that no one needed help. Like everyone knew what to do platforming wise for the frustration in that aspect, but the turn based combat was so easy or accessible at least that no one really had there was no confusion. It was just fun. 
Yeah. Oh, I I believe we uh, are are coming up to the end, and I probably should get into the roundtable where we talk about our personal opinions about the games and memories and stuff like that. Unless anybody has anything else they want to add. Uh, I mean, this might be for the roundtable, but um, what I like about this and what I like about some of the uh, later Mario RPGs is when they don't use Bowser as a villain, as the main villain anyway. Yeah. Think coming what, up, you like it when they mix it up? Yes. It's like we Amazing. get... Not every game has to be the exact same. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is cool. Like, having as a party member is yeah. different. Yeah, like, he doesn't even have to be a party member. Just, it's... I think they're better when Bowser isn't necessarily the villain. I, I like the idea that they, they use the Mario RPGs to kind of play around with the Mario universe, and that's how yeah. we get different different races, like the, the, what are they, the Bean People and Mario and Luigi, or, uh, the, you know, the, the Cloud and Mole races in, the, in these, this game. Um, that's why I don't want to... I don't want to see this the uh, RPG series die out. Yeah, I don't think they will. I mean, I think that last Paper Mario was pr- pretty popular, so I, I, I would be shocked, honestly, if they, the series suddenly died out. Yeah, although in the future will tell. So we, we're going to take a brief musical interlude, and then we will be back with the roundtable. So stick around. Welcome back to RPG Backtrack, where we are now getting into the roundtable, where we get into our personal thoughts and favorites and memories and experiences from Super Mario RPG. Um, First question I always ask, did you guys have a a favorite moment from the game? Mm. I found the question mark, question mark, question mark in Peach's bedroom. There you go. You you found Peach's panties, you pervert. I played this like a Neptunia game, I guess. (laughs) this explains your dungeon crawlers so much oh yes yes no Um, cantaloupe this time just the question marks i will say that the mini game in boosters tower where you're you're hiding behind the curtain while the snippets are trying to find you for some reason always cracked me up as a kid (laughs) Uh, especially when Booster's like, hey, this looks like fun. I want to play. And then he opens Mario's curtain. Mario freaks out. They they realize that the Mario doll is above them. So he gets it down for them. And then afterwards, the Sniffet just kind of looks at him and looks at the doll and just like, and, and all this is happening <laughs> with no words. <laughs> with, with mostly no words. And just, just the look on the Sniffet, like, how can he be such an idiot? It just the game is full of slapstick, but that particular bit of slapstick cracks me up every time. And due to that having, or due to that scene being very full of tension, my little kid memory of t- walking around Marymore and everyone just kind of going, "What happened to the cake? Where's the cake?" 
I just kept building up the cake as this big horror monster <laughs> that I, I like, I have to see this. I hope it exists. And then when it existed, I clapped in joy. So <laughs> I was very happy they made a cake. <laughs> Though I will say the remake had a moment that I never caught in the original because of the kind of, kind of higher res graphics is when the kid in Rosetown set when Gino comes to life says Mario needs all the help he can get and Mallow has to physically restrain Mario from punching out the kid's lights <laughs> that, that was a joke I never picked up on in the original and when I noticed it this time around I, I about died laughing because Mario was about to punch out a little kid that's such a joke that just I feel like would never fly today and yet they, they did it uh, who knew Mario is a Twitch streamer? <laughs> Are you saying Mario had a heated gamer moment? Yep. What do you mean I'm not better than this? I need help. Oh. There's so many, so many cool little moments in this game, just from like the sprite animations, like when. Um, when Malo finds out he's not a frog and like everyone, like all the tadpoles like scatter away, Just little touches like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't even know what I'd pick as my favorite moment in the, in the game. There's a lot. It is kind of hard to narrow down. Okay. You, you have five playable main characters. Surely you can na- narrow that down, right? Malo. To, to your favorite. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bowser. Peach. I'm not a big fan of Mario. So I played a couple of ROM hacks of this. I played Luigi's RPG and I played Wild Luigi's RPG and I really like them. Wow. <laughs> Which sadly probably means I'd like Mario. It makes so, me want to see the uh, the Mario and Luigi idea that Gaijin came up with come out. Uh, Wario and Luigi partners in crime. <laughs> that actually would be a great, great game. I would love to play that. Uh <laughs> No, the, the reason why Bowser ended up being my favorite was because back in the day, I was like, "Oh my God, I can I can have Bowser in my party. I'm he, he's going to be my main tank." <laughs> and you know, then then it turns out that when you get right down to the stats, uh, technically Gino has a higher attack, but you also have that customization to where you could spec spec whoever you want. But I, I like Bowser and I like his weapons, and I also appreciate the fact that. The, this is the first time that you see Bowser's kind of vulnerable and how aware of how vulnerable he is and him trying to kind of hide it. And then at one point, which, which I guess should make Bowser the second best, Bowser kind of reaches out and comforts him. And, and a scene that's not even voiced, just kind of like, <laughs> it, it's okay, Bowser. And the, 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 game, the game is full of moments like that, but that one been in particular, if you catch it, is just kind of heartwarming. Yeah. It, doesn't Bowser, like, look angry when he levels up, unlike everyone else? Yeah. As, as a matter of fact, I think in the Japanese version, he has kind of a rude gesture that had to be edited out of the American version. <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember what it is, though. It's it's not a full full flipping off, but it's kind of a, and this is an audio podcast, so I can't even demonstrate it, like having your arm up and then having your other arm underneath it. I, I read about this a long time ago, so I might be butchering what the gesture is, but they, yeah, they had to remove it. It seems similar to the Italian gesture of saying, go F yourself. Yeah. But then in the remake, everybody just dances. <laughs> and for me, Peking Peach actually has a, 
if I'm nothing if not consistent to odd things, Final Fantasy IV to this day still being my favorite RPG, Yang being one of my favorite characters, he's woken up by a frying pan. Toad still uses a frying pan. Therefore, frying pans are my favorite weapon in early RPGs. <laughs> now, I had heard people say that Peach has the best DPS with the frying pan. And I don't know if that's true or not. I always set up Peach as my tank healer. She's mostly healer, but I remember doing more damage. If I could have taken Mario out of the party, I would have. He seemed to just be there. Bowser was the tank, and like Peach was always my go-to for almost everything. So it wouldn't surprise me if she had the highest DPS as well. Huh. I, I just remember watching a Let's Play a long time ago where somebody insisted that giving Peach the lazy shell was a waste and I'm just thinking, no. She has the best heals and she can't die if you give her the lazy shell and the the thing that prevents all status ailments, she's practically unkillable. I, I think she only died like once in the smithy fight for me in my most recent playthrough. And just... I, I think that was like an instant death attack anyway, but I, I digress. I want to say through these conversations is when I'm learning the lazy shell could be equipped by anyone but Mario. See, I never tried to equip it to Mario, so I don't know. I, I, I mean, I guess because he gets the weapon, he doesn't get the armor. Yeah, but this, right. also, this also leads into the next question is, did you guys have a particular favorite team setup? Mm. I didn't get that far. <laughs> uh, I, I, would, I had who I had. I couldn't figure out the timing on Mallow's magic or on Gino's regular attacks, so it just boiled down to I used Bowser and Peach. Honestly, uh, I, I can't remember, and in the remake, you can switch people in and out, so... <laughs> kind of use yeah. everyone in the remake which was nice a, a feature that i appreciated a lot yeah it's, uh, it's pretty great but but back in the day it was for me it was always bowser Mar or mario bowser peach um i like the other characters but i just felt like the bowser and peach's utility was way too useful yeah see uh, it kind of goes to my earlier point in regards to uh, how they tell the story is i tend to be a person that even if they're not forced to be a part of your party if it makes sense story-wise for them to be there i'll bring them i do that like and it just comes from playing final fantasy 4 where the party you're using is for story purposes as well and Gino never really had much of a place, so whenever there was a choice to bring him because he fits as background visuals or, oh, he has a story with this villain or something, and it just he just always seemed in the background, so I never really needed to bring him. And Mallow had the most story, but I, to my trying to remember way far back, I don't think you even have to bring him to Nimbus, do you? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, but like I would have, like I remember the first couple playthroughs I did because that was where he's from you should be bringing him i mean I, i'm the type of person that will use a shit shitty character just because i i like their aesthetic for, for example uh catchy in final fantasy 7 that they, universally there i'm told that they suck but i don't care it's a kitty cat riding a giant moogle it's in my party um so so that that being said I've, I I understand your feels because I I almost never go with recommended party setups. And I mean, you you say giant uh, Moogle? I kind of thought it was a giant Mallow. To be fair, <laughs> I 
I, I can see that. I was like, um, this is where the idea came from. Yes. Um, so, so then finally, do, do we have any special memories tied to this game? Uh, like what you were doing in your life when you was playing it way, way back when or even recently? Because I, I can't really tack anything down to that because I never owned it. So it was always, you know, renting it for a week, borrowing it for a few weeks. So it was kind of scattered all over the place. None of the people that I'm aware of anyway stuck with RPGs, but a few of my friends that didn't even really like gaming much would want to come over and play my Super Mario RPG. And as a young kid who was trying to get everyone into RPGs to have this be the easiest one was something and just of just memories of how they went through the stories, uh, why they liked the characters they liked, and just all the things like that are moments that aren't easily replaced, especially since RPGs aren't really the easiest to be overly social with, especially single-player ones. But mm-hmm. if you're in the same room with the people, it can still be enjoyed by more than one at one time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, me and, oh, well, I, I, the neighbor kids I used to play with back in the day, they, they were, <laughs> I don't want to say they were really my friends because I was significantly older than them. But I would still c- kind of play with them a little bit until I got too old for that stuff. And we, we would play RPGs in uh, the ki- the kid's basement. And we'd, we'd just, one of us would take the controller and we'd read the story out loud together. And that's how we multiplayer that stuff. Um, that, that's how I got into Final Fantasy III. But I think by the time I bought this game, I was definitely way too old to, to be playing with kind of elementary slash middle schoolers because i was a freshman in high school when i bought this and so it was always checked out at blockbuster so i was trying to save up my money for it and i my brother-in-law at the time uh worked well was an independent contractor that laid carpet and would occasionally ask me to go help him with jobs you know working for family don't ever do it guys (laughs) because I I'd, I'd rack up all this pay, and you know, as as a youngin, I kept track of every single penny that I made during during these jobs, and I, I basically went forever without paying me. I want to say it was well, maybe it wasn't this game, but no, it, you know, it was it was so long ago, I can't remember but it was like six months before i got my money from doing that job and that was one of the first things that i went out and got was mario rpg and because my dad is like ex-military i went and bought it at the air force base which for those that don't know the air force base has a little department store that's kind of tiny but they sell electronics and one reason why you want to I wanted to always buy my games there was because they didn't do sales tax. Uh, (laughs) So I had to have my mom like, okay, it's Mario RPG. Here's the money. They shouldn't charge you sales tax. That's what I want. And then, yeah, that's how I ended up with the game. And at the time, I think I paid around $70 for it, which which was a big chunk of change to 14-year-old me in 1996. Put, put it this way, I don't think my parents would have got it for me for Christmas. It was that expensive. Yeah. Imagine what that would be in today's dollars. Oh, I don't even want to know. 
that, that's why when get when games went up to seventy dollars, I was like, "Crap, that's what I paid for Mario RPG back in the day." <laughs> why are you guys complaining? Go, go get a job working with your brother-in-law as a fourteen-year-old. Oh, wait, that didn't work out that quite well for me. <laughs> um, but but yeah, that that was my memory it was basically having to beg my brother-in-law to pay pay me my what I was owed. Uh, <laughs> I, I probably would have racked up the money faster in that six months just mowing lawns, but I digress. I don't remember how I got this one. There are definitely a few games from this general era that have fun stories attached to them, like trading a bowl of Alpha Gettys for Secret of Mana. <laughs> but I think this was just a regular gift. Uh, found Chrono Trigger uh, diving through a clearance bin at a uh, blockbuster-like place that was just going out of business. It was just this one may have just my mom may have bought it for herself at the time. Even is she never really would like RPGs or outwardly say so. But I beat Final Fantasy One as a three year old more than once, and that final dungeon music used to kind of scare me. So I helped her out by putting shark stickers on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> but I needed someone to back me up and beat the game, so she had to learn it somehow. Uh. Uh, Matt, we need to have a Secret of Mana backtrack in 2025 just because I want to hear this trade at a bowl of was it SpaghettiOs from <laughs> Secret of Mana. Yep. I, I need to hear this story. <laughs> There's a game I never played, but I, I just bought that Mana collection. The uh, What is it? The original? The Secret? The Trials? Yeah. She just played the new Trials. <laughs> it's, I, I, I love Secret of Mana. It's kind of like a you had to be there. Mm-hmm. Type of I, thing. Well, it's I, one of those things that I don't mind if I get like three or four hours into it being like, eh, okay, so that's what that was. Well, as I sparked controversy on RPG Cast recently by saying the reason why Mana sequels suck is because the base game was never that good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and they got told I have the wrong, despite my wrong opinion about Secret of Mana. <laughs> Like guys, I I like that game. It's just it, it's, it's full of jank. It's the jank. It's jank as <laughs> f. It's so janky. And I don't even think that 3D remake fixed it. Oh no, it made it worse. Okay. Yeah, okay. No. <laughs> um. It absolutely made it worse. It's like how there's more RAM. It's on CD like it was supposed to be. Because it just. <sighs> Because they were insistent on making, look, we have to make this play like the original. (laughs) And that's not a good idea. (laughs) Obviously not. That's why I'm so glad that the the new game they're making looks just like Trials of Mana, because I feel like making it kind of easy, I don't mean easy, I mean easy, is the way to go with that series. (laughs) I, no, I, I agree, and as long as they take that route and not that stupid PS2 game that made me want to throw... Ugh. Made Ugh. me motion... Not only made me Ugh. motion sick, but made me want to throw things. Uh, I bought that at a PAX like 10 years ago, thinking, eh, it's probably not as bad as people have said. And no, it was worse. <laughs> and it sucked because it, it was such a pretty game. It was. And it was awful. I don't I don't understand how that series went. Just keep making action RPGs. It's not that hard. 
Oh, let's see. There, there is a roguelike on the DS, and then there was yeah. the RTS. On the yeah, DS the RTS, well. which I didn't think was that bad. I had fun with that one, but I, I also liked uh, Revenant Wings. So I'm weird. It was a fine RTS. Um, and then Dawn, which was absolutely terrible, and I several mobile games that have died at this point. I, I don't remember where the mono timeline went, but. <laughs> we're like, talking. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, was it? There's a mana game. Was it Heroes on the uh, DS? Yes. Yeah, that was I the RTS. That one. Oh, maybe that wasn't it then. Talking, thinking of Children that, of Mana. That might be it. I heard you children, say roguelike, and I said roguelike. Yeah. You say, and now I have to find it. Children and, was the uh, roguelike. I look. If you find it for cheap, <laughs> I may already own it. Just don't know I own it. Uh, and and I it's skipped Legend. I, I skipped Legend in there. I my issue with Legend wasn't the game. It was that I um that was when I was getting into ripping discs for the uh my hacked PSP and I got a bad bad rip and it would um the the game would oh. crash whenever a cutscene played. Oh, I love Legend. Oh. I obsessed over that game so much. I held a grudge against the Mana series because of Legend of Mana, simply because I got stung <laughs> by a hornet while I was playing it. Oh, that's, not a, that's not a good. So then I got really sick and I couldn't move out of my bed for a while. It made me think I might be allergic to hornet stings. Children of Mana. That's what the one I played back when yeah, I played anything the on DS. Like. Yeah, okay. it was all right. Yeah, fine. I mean, I don't think it had a long runtime. No, and and that's the thing with the sequels is that they're not terrible. They just aren't nearly as great in air quotes as the original Secret, which I played much later in life and didn't like that much anyway but um then second densetsu 3 aka trials i did play and it's like yeah this is the one we should have gotten the u.s mm. not the other one legend but, i think is as good as that but it's it's not really a sequel it's a spinoff yeah and i want to go back to legend at some point and play the, the um hd remaster proper because i played that one in a bad environment the first time around um i just every time i boot it up i get distracted with something else <laughs> and not to mention that's a game that you kind of have to follow a guide for if you want I to recommend against following a guide oh just put to your own ignore, thing ignore shut your brain off telling you to 100 percent the game just go in just play just put put the things wherever you want just explore it i think that's the best way to enjoy that game Okay. I think trying to obsess over seeing absolutely everything in that game is kind of hurts the experience. Okay. Well, I, I trust your opinion. Similar or opposite to the same sensation with Persona games? Uh, I'd say it's similar, yeah. Like, uh, I remember a friend telling me about how they're trying to go through, do one playthrough of Persona 5 to hit every everything, and they were, like, redoing classroom scenes to try and hit certain stats, and I'm just like, why are you doing this to yourself? Yeah, I've had to adopt that, that philosophy with a lot of games. Like, I'm playing yeah. through y- Yakuza Kiwami right now, and I'm like, I'm not going to obsess over doing all the side stories. I just want to get through the main story, which some would say is not the way to play Yakuza, and I agree because the side stories are funny, but I want to get that one finished before uh, Infinite Wealth comes out. I feel like there's so many games that were designed so that you could just naturally explore and have a different experience that just 
there's something wrong to me about trying to like go in and hundred percent it. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem right. I guess it always, for me, it always depends on how much I like the game. If I don't want the experience to end, I will do everything there is to do. Yeah. Like if you love, if you go back to it and you love legend of mana, then sure. Maybe go back to it at some point and try and follow a guide so you can see absolutely everything. But I think if you want to ex- if you want to see if you actually like the game and kind of experience it as it was intended, I think it's best to just go in blind just and just play. Because it's not like there's anything super complicated in, in it. You know, like the combat's kind of just like a brawler and the stories are relatively simple and the characters will kind of give you hints on, you know, how to find things. So... I mean, even if you don't even necessarily finish the game, I think it's just like going in and seeing seeing where it takes you is a lot of fun. Oh, so, sounds like a blast! <laughs> I, I highly recommend it. It's and especially with the HD remake, um, which I don't, I honestly don't think they had to, to update the graphics that much. It was just always like this beautiful game. Yeah. And the the fact that we've gone into Secret of Mana talk bands that were probably done with the show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember uh, Mario's going to be in that one too. I can't wait. Uh, when is Trials of Mana is much later in the year, but that the last half of the year we can always swap stuff to. Um, we have the whole year planned out, but stuff changes obviously. Um, if people have to bow out or whatever, uh, the schedule's not always set in stone. So. Um, we shall see. Our our next show is going to be Judgment. Dun, dun, dun. I I feel so bad. Jo- Josh sent me that game, and I'm not going to get to it by the time the backtrack is out. Um, I I might not even make that show because we have a prior engagement, but I guess we'll see. Um, but that that being said, uh, this was Super Mario RPG: The Legend of the Seven Stars. Um, fun game. Go get the remake. That way we can get That's more great. Mario RPGs. I played through it in a week. I was having so much fun. I did too. Um, so th- thank you, Wheels. Anytime. And th- thank you, Ryan. Pleasure as always. And and th- thank you, Matt, for hanging hanging around for your uh, little bit of playing. I, I had about one cent. I didn't even have two cents worth on this one. <laughs> the, now, the, come on, library. Get, you did, get the game you did to have me. Three in questions. about two weeks, I might know everything about it. Yeah, that that's always fun when you're planning on... Well, th- that's kind of like with, with Witch in 100 Night 2, where I was waiting for that to go on sale, and then it went, it went on sale like the week after we did that backtrack. <laughs> I think... Thanks, PSN. But anyway, um, we shall see you in a pair of weeks for j- judgment. And we, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.